Luke 17. We're going to read a passage here. And then I'm actually going to have you hold your place and we're going to look at some old, a few Old Testament scriptures. <clears throat> Luke 17, we're going to, this passage, so here's what we're going to do. We'll look at this passage about some of you know it, some of you don't. It's a story, to give you a quick overview, of Jesus healing ten lepers, and one of them comes back to say thank you. That's kind of the short version of it. And, and kind of the running idea is that we're, <clears throat> the lepers really are symbolic of us, though you might not have physical leprosy. And so we're going to learn from this today about this leper who returns to give thanks. <clears throat> Luke 17, it says, verse 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers that stood afar off. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And I just want you to, <clears throat> you can hold your place there. And I want to read a couple little sections in Leviticus just to put it in your mind, some ideas about having this physical, deadly thing of leprosy. So go to Leviticus 13, this disease. <clears throat> and we'll look at um, verse 1 through 8 first. Honestly, if you were an Old Testament priest, you had to be able to handle animals, kind of understand them and assess them. You had to keep yourself clean. You had to, there was a certain number of them that teach, taught the Bible, if you were an Old Testament priest. You had to be from the right family too. And then not only that, if you're an Old Testament priest, you had to have a little bit of medical skill and Ability to diagnose some problems on people. Here's an example. Chapter 13, verse 1, The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man, this is going to get a little gross, but I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then shall he brought un, be brought unto Aaron, 
the priest or unto one of his sons the priests. And Aaron shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh. And when the hair of the plague is turned white and the plague in sight be deeper than, the, than his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh and in sight be not deeper than the skin and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut him up that hath the plague seven days and the priest shall look on him the seventh day and behold, if the plague in the sight be at a stay, and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven days more. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day. And behold, if the plague be somewhat dark and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is but a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. <clears throat> but if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy. Now, fast forward toward the end of the chapter, look at verse 45, 46, same chapter, 45, 46. Verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Now you can go back to Luke, and this is what will be the rest of our time, Luke 17, where you have an incident of this. So we're talking about Christmas I mean, this is Christmas season. I didn't have a particular Christmas message, but I'm thinking kind of the context here. We meet ten men in this story. Now, when Jesus was born, would have been 30, around 30 to 33 years before this text that we read of this time of these ten men. But if we went back maybe those years when Jesus was born, <clears throat> perhaps some of these ten were um, boys. Maybe some of them weren't born yet. Well, let's just say you have a five, six, seven-year-old, maybe a 10, 12-year-old handful of these boys, because there were 10 men. And um, perhaps they enjoyed good health in their years, in their youth, and uh, played ancient sports, you know, bow and arrow and running, wrestling. They, you can do that. Maybe they enjoyed getting a nice tan, you know, during the summertime and in the Middle East there. At least one in this story was a Samaritan. Of course, he'd lived, he, didn't, he wouldn't have lived with these other nine if they were all, the rest of the nine were only Jews. He wouldn't have lived with them. He would have lived in a middle section of that country. 
And uh, maybe they enjoyed good health. Maybe they, you know, had nice skin, um, good muscular um, build and athletic. And it's just uh, enjoyed life. Could see clearly, could smell clearly, could run and jump and all that stuff. But at some point as years passed, <clears throat> of these 10, a likely scenario as a sample just to pull one of these 10 out, a very, very likely scenario like this happened. They noticed, like we read a little bit, an issue on their skin. Maybe a hand or maybe a shoulder. And it's like a, 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 a red spot and it, after a month or so it's not going away. And then it's growing and it seems pretty deep. And so, unfortunately, they're going to have to do what the Bible says, but they're going to have to go show up at the priest. And the priest would, they'd come and he'd show up and, he'd, and he would actually, what they did was the priest was actually supposed to come out and meet him out away. Not, you didn't go right to the temple with this. The priest was kind of, they were kind of rendezvous out away from the temple. And the priest would look at him and see, and maybe one of these guys was in their 20s by then and and see, let's see, let's see what you got here. Okay, it's a, it's a red spot pretty deep. And um, pinkish red. Well, let's just give you seven days and come back and see me. But you got to stay away from everybody. It's a quarantine thing just to be safe. So the guy would stay back and, and uh, seven days and he'd come back. So I don't know where he stayed at. Um, maybe at his crazy uncle's house that lived outside of town. I don't know, you know. But he'd come back and see the priest, and the priest would meet him, and 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 priest would look, and, and now all of a sudden there's the, the spot's grown, it still seems deep, and now there's some white hairs in it. And this guy's in his 20s, he's not getting grazed yet. What's the deal? White hairs. And the priest at that point, following the scripture, would have to say, he's unclean, he's got leprosy. And and the common experience is not. Well, I'm going to get better. The common experience is not, well, go to the local, uh, you know, CVS in Jerusalem and get some kind of topical on it or try some herbal. No. The common experience is this is a death sentence. He pronounced, they thoroughly looked at it, and he's got leprosy growing. And perhaps after a few weeks, it's, it's on his arm and maybe on his shoulder. And, and this stuff... Um, this malady, this disease rots you. And the Bible tells how they to look at it and diagnose it and do a quarantine and second diagnosis and all this stuff. And it sometimes could be in the walls of houses. That's gross, huh? It could be in the warp and woof of a garment, the, the fabric pattern. They'd have to diagnose. They have diagnosis for that. But if it's on a person, that's it. It's basically a death sentence. And... Um, and so the scripture has a chapter, or part of a chapter, for a person who would have this if they had got cleansed. What would they do in the day of this cleansing? And it was like hardly anybody ever experienced that. But I think it was written because they would experience it when Jesus came. They would have to follow those scriptures. So this guy, he's got this growing, and, and the common experience of a leper. I could show you, there's a lot of gross pictures. I'm like, I'm just going to keep them off the screen. But, you, you know, you, you, you start losing hair, the white hair that was there, all of a sudden you're losing it. Your eyelashes, 
You'll lose uh, your joints rot. You'll lose your fingers. You'll lose your nose. There's people with pictures of people with leprosy. They don't have a nose. The palate will rot in your mouth, and you rot away slowly. And you can lose a limb. I know sometimes people make jokes about it. It's not a joke, though. You'll lose your, you'll just start rotting away. This leprosy, a slow death. And it, so, so this guy, one of ten happened. This, this is a likely scenario. He had that, and he's getting worse, and he's, he's rotting, and perhaps he can't see as well, and perhaps he can't taste as well, and perhaps his nose has already fallen off in an ear. And, and they're supposed to dwell alone. And on top of that, a face covering, if anybody came around, they aren't perfect, but they'll keep spit from shooting. God says the Bible says, put a face covering on and say, unclean, unclean. And so that's what the Bible says they did. And so they did that. And pretty soon, if you're all by yourself and you're unclean and you have leprosy and you're rotting away, the only fellowship you can have is somebody like you, because what harm is it going to be? Right? So they ended up congregating. Well, you're by, it doesn't hang out hurt if we hang out. You know, and that's the only consolation they'll have. Who's going to come treat them? Maybe a priest, if you think you're getting healed, he might come see you. But when does that happen? So these guys congregate. And um, they are, I mean, they're, it's like, it's not like the conceptual, I'm going to die one day. It's like, I feel I'm dying every day. So let's look at this map here. And click to that. So Jesus, the Bible tells us what Jesus was doing. He, was, he spent a lot of time in Galilee and Judea. He went the north and south, north and south. The middle section was Samaria. It was not really part of a, a place. It, it wasn't part of their, um, it was really their land, but the people that resided there were not, um, they basically, they weren't really 100% Jews. They had compromised with their conquerors intermarried and their worship wasn't all accurate and their view of God wasn't perfectly accurate and they were the ones who were just a little off. People avoided Samaria. Jesus didn't always. Jesus met, went there a couple times. Well, the Bible is describing the, first, the verse here. It says in verse 12, we're going to walk through this. We're going to see something here. It says, and it came to pass as he went through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So he's in the north. He's going to go here uh, to Jerusalem. And as he's going, he goes through the middle of Samaria and Galilee. So there's this crunch, there's this area. So he's probably right here between those two areas. So you have Samaritans and you have the regular Jews, uh, north and south, and they usually didn't mingle together. But there Jesus is passing through. And so he meets these guys. Look what it says. As he entered into a certain village, verse 12, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. So here he is, he's passing through, and there's ten men, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're not in the village, they're out of the village, and they're far off from people. And so we see a picture here of their condition that I already described. The first thing we see is their condition, and they're distanced, they've been diagnosed, Right? 
And now they're desperate. They, they cry out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're desperately crying out to him. Have you ever had something rarely come through? And you're like, oh, I got to get... So we're kind of silly about this. This is a, this is a bad... You know, like... Um, well, okay. So um, Haley's Comet, did anybody ever see that when it came in the 80s? Anybody remember seeing it? I barely saw it, you know. I think that's it. You know, it comes every, once every 75 years. Haley's Comet, you know. And um, sometimes things don't come around that often. Well, these lepers, they know enough about Jesus that Jesus is coming through. It's not like, well, if we miss them this time, we're just going to jump on a bus. No, no bus for you. Well, no, Jesus is coming through. This is the time, this is the moment, and they cry out. Maybe one of them lost the last few teeth he had. Maybe the, his palate crushed crying out because there was nothing left. Maybe one of them fell down. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These guys are desperate. They're desperate. They cry out. This is their one chance at healing. There was, no, there was no chance of healing outside of a miracle, and in this case, a miracle through the Lord Jesus Christ. In their mind, if they knew any Bible, the only, there was only a few times somebody was healed of leprosy. One of them had it on his hand, and it got healed. The other one was Naaman, the, the Syrian. So it's like almost, it's, it's barely precedented. It's nearly unprecedented for them to, they probably never saw somebody healed. So like, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're crying out to him. Desperate. And so Jesus here, we see now because they're cleansing. Verse 14, when he saw them, this is really amazing. He said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, that's a mouthful right there. So Jesus is way off, going to go into the village, and he hears the ten yell out to him, have mercy on us. And what does he tell them to do? He tells them to do what the Bible says you should do once you've been healed. He didn't, he didn't create some kind of ceremony or anything. He just said, go see the priest. Now, there's another, again, there's, I think it's Leviticus 14. This is what the leper does in the day of his cleansing. And it tells this little routine he has to go through on the day of his cleansing. So these guys, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What did he say? Go see the priest. We can't go see a priest. We're dirty. We're, they don't want to get near. Oh, oh, go see the priest. Because we're healed? That's the only Bible reason that you could go to see a priest because you thought you were healed. That's it. Otherwise, they're not getting near anybody that's already been diagnosed. And so, so Jesus is saying, basically saying, this is a moment where we'll try to capture this right here. Faith in the Word of God saves. All right? So we're lepers. We're going to look at that again. We're lepers. We're, we're destined for death, you know and the lake of fire, unless there's an intervention. And the intervention is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is the word, you know, the word of our salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus. So believing the word of God relating to my salvation saves me. 
So they hear this word, go see the priests. And if they believe that word as they went, as they move on faith, as they have faith in that word, they were cleansed. Because there's only one reason to go. I'm going to go there because I think I'm healed. He says, I'm healed. I'm going to believe it. And they start walking toward wherever the priest is or get some messenger to go get them. And as they went, they were cleansed. Isn't that amazing? Again, we'll pause right here. That's, that's, there's this little symbol there. A very simple way a soul is instantly saved with God. Every soul, we know this. Well, let's just think. It's the Bible right here. We're all a leper in a sense. Like, I'm destined for death. The wages of sin is death. We're all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's none good. No, not one. Mouths are open. Sepulchers full of venom. We're, you know, the, you know, if we were to have... If, if our nature just really has its way, it's disgusting. It's just evidence of, you know, we're, we're, we're rotting and we're headed for death, not just a physical but a spiritual death. Unless we get that sense of it, I know I'm messed up, I know I'm a sinner, and we cry out as a leper, desperate leper, to Jesus to save our soul. Jesus, have mercy on me. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus basically says the same thing. You know, believe my word and be saved. Believe what I've done for you and you're saved. As, as Paul said to the Philippian jailer who was all shook, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That moment. And it's that simple. So they, what they start experiencing walking toward the priest being healed was a simple faith in that word. And so a person in, in their path of life, when they realize that, oh, they're finally, they're healthy, they're physically healthy, fine. But when they realize, I just, I'm a sinner. I'm not honest, I lie, I got a lust problem, I blaspheme God's name, or whatever it is, and you realize you're a sinful misfit like the rest of us, and you see that Jesus, that he came for that, and he atoned for that, and whoever calls the name of the Lord in that context shall be saved. Then you're saved in that sense of the soul being saved, though the body will die. The soul is saved and gets a new body one day. So there's a picture of salvation here. So these men are in this terrible condition. They, 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 they're cleansing. We see when they're, they're cleansed based on their belief in the Word of God, when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And then we see the third part of this little story here, and then we're going to nail it home with some more specific things, is this, their, the communication here. The communication of one of them. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. I love this. I love this. Now, let's just assume, it's, I think it's fair to assume the rest were not Samaritans. It's very likely that the rest weren't. So here's this guy. He's with the Jews. And by the way, that's one thing we all have in common, no matter American, non-American, Russian, African, uh, South uh, Vietnamese, whatever. Get all the countries together, different types of governments. Guess what? We're all rotting sinners. 
right? Here, these guys are together. They got the Samaritans. Ah, he might as well be with us. We're all dying anyways. So here he is he's with them. He gets healed with them also. And as they're going, he said, I'm real. Whoa, whoa. And he, the guy that's a little off, Samaritans were a little off. They didn't have, you read, read chapter 4 of John. The Samaritan one didn't have her worship church mindset right, you know. And he's a little off, but he just met Jesus, and he knows that he's saved. And he goes back, and with a loud voice, glorifies God. I love it. Turn back, loud voice, glorifies God. Fell down on his face giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. I love this. (laughs) I love this. Um, Sometimes, you know, maybe it's the, I mean, the guy, well, we got to get to the ceremony. We're healed now. We got to get to, I know, you got to get to the ceremony. You got to show yourself, go through the routine. This guy's, I'll wait on the ceremony. I just want to show Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. I love that. Sometimes, it's a per- sometimes, though, people that become Christians and, and stuff like that, you know, sometimes the person that's a little off, well, you, you, you haven't been in Sunday school very long, haven't been in church as long as you. The person that's just not, doesn't know the routine, but is saved, and they know that, and they're very thankful for that. Sometimes that's the person that gives the lavish, sincere, pure thanks to Jesus. Sometimes. But it doesn't always have to just be that person. Because <laughs> we're still lepers too. We're just like some of us have 10 months or 10 years healed or one year healed or 35 spiritually. So he comes back, oh, thank you. I'm not, I'm not destined for this early death. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. And so what we see now is Jesus says, hey, I thought there was 10 of you all. Right? Were there not 10 cleansed? Absolutely they were. Were there 10 cleansed, by the way? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that... They go see the priest, and then as they went, once this guy turned back, he's cleansed, and they're still rotting. No. They legitimately, all ten got cleansed because they all had faith in that word, and it showed by their feet. And do you think those other nine were thankful? Yeah. Of course they're thankful. You know? But they didn't show it. Right? So Jesus says, were there not ten cleansed? And then verse 18, I believe it's his words. He also says, there are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. This, meaning this, non, this uh, non-Jew, this guy that just hasn't been in Sunday school as long as the rest. And This guy. <laughs> he had enough sense to come back. And, and then I like what he says, verse 19. He says to this guy, get up, arise. Go thy way to the Samaritan who's just (laughs) expressing such things. 
Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I love this. He wanted to remind this guy that there was nothing magical about that priest, right? There wasn't nothing, you know, because he had such a great voice and Jesus, Master, have mercy. It wasn't that was what made you whole. It wasn't the fact that you're on your way to a priest. But your simple faith in the word that I said to you, that made you whole. It's still the same for us today. Um, again, in being saved, I have to be- literally believe a word group, a word of, from God on salvation. Be- literally believe faith in that word. All right. You said that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus and that, I call on you, save me. Faith in that word saves. It makes you whole. So it says, thy faith hath made thee whole. But also, even in continuing in life, what makes me whole, what sets me, what makes me um, whole in other ways? I get sideways in a lot of times in life. My thinking, my, no, our feelings are going to come and go all the time and all that. And that's just going to be. A lot of Bible or no Bible is probably going to have it. But, but still, what helps me kind of um, be whole as a Christian and what God wants me is faith in the word that He's communicating to me. My faith hath made thee whole. Here's what I want to focus on with the rest of our time. Notice this one particular thing. Christ, this is kind of one thought, Christ is looking for gratitude. He says, where? Look at verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? He knows. But he was there and kind of didn't quite get in the village. Hey, where? Where's the other ones? Uh, uh, There's a pastor in California, Paul Chapel. He told this story one time. When he was um, in, he went to Bible college in California, Southern California. He said they told this story. They told, I heard him tell the story. He said, when he was um, working through college, he worked, I don't know what kind of factory it was, but he worked at this factory, and um, during Christmas time, he was a young guy. I think he worked at a parts counter of this place, whatever it was. And um, during Christmas time, the president of this company gave every employee a Cornish hen, whatever that is. I guess it's good because he said he liked it. So, I don't know. Maybe I've had one and I don't know it. But he, he gave, and it was 360 employees. He gave everybody a Cornish hen. And, and Paul Chapel, this young college student, was like, man, this is great. I think he was even, he may have just been married too. He was kind of, I think he was married when he was finishing school. I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Got a corner's hand for Christmas. And so whatever he, when he got it though, he said that um, he, he's like, I don't, I've never met this president of the company, but he said he wrote a thank you note. And uh, he wrote a note that says, you don't know me and I don't, I've never met you, but 
uh, you gave me, a, uh, my family, a Cornish hen and for Christmas, and I want to thank you for that. We really enjoyed it, da-da-da-da-da, Paul Chapel, and just sent it off. I don't know how I got it to him, but went up the ladder to the president of the company. And he said, I think it was a week or two later, he's working, and he's at the parts counter, and this guy comes in, and he didn't even know who he was. It was the president of the company. I think his name was Bill Shepard or something like that. The president of the company comes in, and, he's, and he comes in. He goes, hey. He goes, um, are you Paul Chapel?" He says, yeah. He goes, I'm Bill Shepard, the president of such and such. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, hey, I got your note. But you sent me this thank you note. I appreciate that. He goes, I just want you to know, out of 360 employees, you're the only one to send thank you. But I just want to tell you, I'm glad for that. And he's like, okay, wow. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he was trying to do it for self-righteous reasons. It's just like, hey, it's natural. But it was rare. And that guy was looking, and it caught his attention. And Jesus here is saying, where? Look at <clears throat> verse 17. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? So here's a question. We'll try to we'll answer this with a, just a few. We'll try to keep it shorter here. Where can he find gratitude in my life? Where can Jesus find gratitude in my life? You're like, Pastor, we're past Thanksgiving. That's exactly why. Because I like to preach gratitude messages past Thanksgiving or before it because we're already expecting it then. And you fake it and stuff around your Christmas thing or your, you know. So we're going to say it again, all right? Gratitude, all right. In my attitude about who I was, I should, he should be able to see gratitude. Number one, in my attitude about who I was and am, Christ should see gratitude. Again, we, were, we are all as an unclean thing, Isaiah says. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And even as you get older, you're still, you still become acutely aware how sinful you are. Man, I'm still bad. I should, so that in light of that, I should say, Lord Jesus, still thank you for being my Savior. Even though I was saved when I was five, <laughs> I'm still acutely aware that I'm a saved sinner. He should see gratitude in our attitude about who we, who we are. Don't get too self-righteous. Don't get too braggadocious about what you've done in your Christian life. Nah. You're just an old sinner then, okay? All right, number two, where can Christ find gratitude in my life? He should be able to find it, number two, in my attitude about singing and praise. Now, we're not crazy here. We're not too lively, but that was good having Brother John kind of provoke us last night, right, guys? That was good. I liked what he said. He's like, you know what they did before war? They sang. I like that. And it was men singing. I, I like that. So we should have a, there should be something when I sing, like I'm singing out of gratitude because I'm saved and I wasn't before and I would have went to hell, but I'm not now. And so I should have a joyful noise and let the word of Christ dwell in me richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it says that in Colossians 3, that we're commanded to let it happen. Let the Word of Christ dwell in us in those psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing fun, we'll sing fun Christian Christmas songs and non-Christian Christmas songs as long as it's clean and we're not exalting Santa. <laughs> but we'll, I like having fun music, but definitely Christ is, should be the central point because He's the one who 
Save this leper. So, I should, he should be able to see it. There was a guy, I don't have the whole, I can't, I can't hardly see right now anyways, but there was a story of this Christian man. He had some diagnosis in his mouth or something. He didn't know what it was. Long story short, he had, to have, he had cancer, and he had to have part of his tongue taken out. And he goes to the doctor for the surgery, and when it was time for the surgery, he says, all right, now we get this straight, doctor. Do I really, I'm really not going to be able to sing again? And the doctor's like, well, the way this is going to be done and the way you'll be, you won't be able to sing again. This guy enjoyed singing. He was a Christian who enjoyed singing. And now he's got cancer. He has to have it removed. The doctor says, you will not sing again. And so the guy says, let me sing another, I'm going to sing my last song then. And I don't have the song, but he sat there in the prep room and sang this song. And actually one of the words, part of it in the song was, I will praise God. God, my God, my Redeemer, while I have breath. Isn't that great? Oh, I got it. While I can with the tongue. And he went through the surgery, and of course he couldn't sing again. But he did what the psalmist says, while I can, I'm going to. Even the brother last night, I didn't realize he had all these problems, like the vocal cord and only one vocal cord or something. But he's doing, he's preaching while he can. He's singing while he can. By the way, Brother John that preached last night, I've gone to a few. He's the one that just seems very hearty when I go to fellowship meetings. Now, if you go to a preacher's meeting, it's kind of hearty anyways. You can almost preach anything to preachers and they'll like it. It's like the easiest meeting to preach at. It's the easiest meeting to sing a special at. You could get some kid up there and sing anything and the guys would be like, amen, amen, you know, they just... And so it's like the easiest. My nephews and nieces sing and they're like, we're kind of nervous. I'm like, this is the easiest place to sing. And so, um, but anyways, when he's at, I watch him, it means he's the one who's very earnest and lively, not out of control, but just sincere and lively when he sings. I realize now he only has one, or something's wrong with his vocal cords. He's got enough to preach, and maybe he thinks, I might not have it all my life. And so God, does he see gratitude in who who I think, in my attitude about who I was, in my singing, number three, in my approach to witnessing, um, there should be, he should see gratitude to that about that. We cannot ha- but help. We can't, I'm sorry, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It says in Acts, Peter and them were witnessing, and they said, stop that. And they said, we can't help it. I have to say it because of their gratitude. Number five, there's a lot we could say. In my approach, how about in my approach to church attendance? Look, we, I, there's reasons to come to church and not come to church and all that. And, but one of the reasons to be, you know what, I just want to show up with the rest of the healed lepers. They gladly, Acts 2, 41, gladly assembled, gladly were baptized, heard his word with gladness, received it with gladness. In my approach to church attendance, my outlook about baptism, gladly baptized. I told you a silly story. There's a guy, I read about a pastor, he baptized this guy, he just got saved. I would, have, I would love to have seen this. He, this is the back east, one of the states back east, a pastor. This guy, kind of big old guy, gets saved and, and he's, he knows he's saved, he believes the gospel. And when he has his baptism, they baptize him. And he didn't know what to say. He thought Because a lot of times people say amen or people clap when they're baptized. This guy didn't know what to say. They baptized him. When he came up, he just said, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. 
Yeah. I might would have said hamburger, hamburger. I don't know, but but I thought that's pretty neat. I mean, he's just he's just happy about it. He's happy about his baptism, identifying with Jesus. In my common speech, does he see gratitude in my common speech? In everything, give thanks. Not at everything, give thanks. You don't say thank you for that bad, horrible thing. But in that context, something, something you could say thankful. You'd be thankful in everything. Give thanks. I got a bloody head. I'm thankful is a lot, lot. Wasn't a lot worse. Thankful I have church family. It's very minor. This is so small. I know I almost passed out. It's embarrassing, but it's so small compared to so many other things. So I'm so thankful for moving through that in my attitude about what I have. So, yeah. So just, again, here we are, leper. That's the leper returning to give thanks. So I need to re- walk through my life like I'm a healed leper. It's not just the saved part, even. Just think about what you got. You got some people, some few beautiful people around you, some friends, some family, a church. You get a decent job in a horrible economy if you have a job. Well, thank you, God. So, how many times do we say it to God? Thank you. Like one guy said, we'll conclude on this. He said, if all you had left was only those things and only those people that you thanked God for, what would you have? If all you had left right now were only those things and those people that you thank God for, what would be around you? That's a good thought to end on. That's how I should think too, is just keep thanking God for the things that He's given me, especially the salvation, and realize I'm just a cleansed leper too. Might have better clothes, but I'm still just a cleansed leper.